Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, what's up? Middle of the week. Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. That's pearlriverresort.com. Love to hear from you. Ceasefire text line is open at 601 879 4395. Again, 601 879 Four three nine five. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. It's backed by. Um, I'm sorry, I was distracted by something on the text line. Backed by world class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Ceasefire Country. Uh, check them out online at ceasefire.com/business. So, what have I missed here? Somebody says this map is for Brian Haydad's future reference. It's a good map. Oh, and then somebody else. It was two completely unrelated things. I was thinking that I had missed something. Like the show started without me an hour ago, and you guys were talking about geography, and I missed it or what. Uh, Today I learned I live in the central prairie of Mississippi, though. So there we go. That's good to know, right? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Are you in the Black Prairie, Haydad? Um, let me see here. It appears so, yes. Yes. I am solidly in the red clay hills. And that is true. That is that is actual truth. Uh, there is a request to give Haydad a few moments to pay honor to the Iron Sheik. I mean, the FCC would have, have us strung up by the time I got done doing that. So let's just say rest in peace to, a, to the legend. Well, I mean, like... You have a favorite moment or something? Well, I mean, that guy was the most foul-mouthed dude on Twitter. I, I, to, to truly pay respect to him, I would have to just go all in on Hulk Hogan and Tito Santana and just, you know, just let it be. Okay. So, Borky, I think I expected more than that. I expected I, I more, know. too. I mean, like, I had hey, it in the notes. I, I, I figured I we'd do a whole 10 minutes I mean, on Haydad paying tribute to I, a legend. I, I, and then... Uh, I mean, to, 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 do, to do it correctly, we would need to be on satellite radio. So were you a fan? Well, I mean, he was a bad guy. So, I mean, you know, 
when I when he was wrestling, no, because you know he was the the seditious Iranian, you know, anti-American, spit on the flag villain, and Hulk Hogan was, was what represented right all that was good. Kind of right no, up your alley, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, does he and fit. Nikolai Volkov. And but you know, as you grow older and you, you see what's going on behind the scenes, yeah, I, I was a fan of the Sheik on Twitter for sure. Okay. I will miss him ranting every day uh, about Hulk Hogan on Twitter. Are there, like, you know my wrestling knowledge is so incredibly limited. Are there fans of wrestling whose favorite are the bad guys? Or does, like, just everybody oh, yeah, cheer for the good guys? No, 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 no. No, absolutely. And there there are bad guys that are that are fun to cheer for. Yeah, for sure. Like who? Uh, before he became a good guy, Stone Cold Steve Austin was definitely one. Um, Wait, he was a bad guy? Yeah, he started out as one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, When Hogan was a bad guy with the NWO, that was a lot of fun. I, yeah, I, I was, was an NWO guy. guy. He was oh, no, that's, you couldn't be more wrong. You could not be more wrong. Uh, was, everybody, everybody, they did a good job of making him hateable. For mm. sure. Did people actually turn on him? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then currently, MJF is a fantastic I, I find myself cheering for him and he is the most obnoxious human being on the face of the earth at least his character is did all of Hulk's old fans come back when he turned to good again yeah of course that's that's how it works okay come on Borky don't you know that's how it works uh, apparently yeah yeah you know what I don't want to hear anything like I am having to drag wrestling information it's out crazy. of Brian Haydad. I, like, I mind like, blown. It's like, I, here's I your... teed this up for you to go any direction you want to go and to pay homage to one of the greats, apparently, in wrestling. And only I, like, I can't oh, go to have to say dirty words. So I never want to hear about wrestling on this radio show again. Never. Well, you never. will. You're going to, but well, I'm just never. saying. Just do it clean. It's not like, possible. Your, your vocabulary yes, is Look at so man's Twitter feed and tell me I'm going to be clean. Well, I don't care about his Twitter feed. So to, to really pay tribute to him, I would need an American flag in here to spit on. I thought about wearing a, a, the the turban today if I if I could just just in honor of him, but I just decided mm. against it. Gibbs says that Triple H is the best heel of all time. Let me ask you this, uh, Borky: Can you zoom in my camera from where you are, or does that something I have to do? Um, I mean, I can, but it'll screw things up. Like I'll have to fix all right, it. Well, then never mind. I could have done a I could have done a tribute there, but. If it, you know, if you can do it and fix it, you know, you could just lean toward the camera. Same, well, yeah, it's, same concept. It's like yeah. that. It's well, yeah. toward the camera. It's not because just... I need, I need, I need to be, I need to be where I am, and then okay. so just don't worry about it. Uh, well, that was a disaster right out of the gate. Thanks for being with us. Love to hear from you. 601-879-4395. There Later, is... we're going to ask him about Messi joining an MLS team, and he's going to be like, "Yeah, cool." Yeah. Honestly, the hey, tickets are, are 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 outrageous already. If you hate soccer, these next few years in America are going to be very annoying for you. How long can he go? Agreed. Legitimately, how long can can Messi go and play? Three or four more years. Three or four more years. So he's coming to MLS. He's going to join Inter Miami. Which, by the way, every time I see Inter Mi, I was like. 
oh, he's going to Inter Milan. I'm like, oh, wait, that's Miami. He's that's, not going to Inter Milan. South Beach. No. Uh, leaving uh, PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, where he has uh, been for the last, what, two years, three years, something along those lines? What, is, what did I say yeah. wrong? Germain. Germain. Is that what I should have said? Germain. Paris Saint-Germain. I mean, I went with PSG first. I told you a PSG story a while back. Um, yeah. How big a brand is There is a standalone flagship PSG apparel store on Fifth Avenue in New York City. Yeah. Although I wonder if it will have the same demand without Messi. Probably on not. Their roster. Probably not. They still have the best young player in the world playing for them, but yeah. Yeah. So, how big a deal is this? Massive. I mean, beyond it's, massive. It's huge. It's yeah. It, it's really, really big. I mean, he will uh, just just from a, a attendance standpoint, he will. Every the, the, the talk about the the rising tide lifts all ships. Mm-hmm. Every team when when Inter Miami comes to play them will be a sold out crowd. All of them, but in perpetuity. Yeah. Okay, if, if, for, yeah, as long as he's me. playing. Forgive me, and and you may laugh at me for asking this, but I think at the time it was a really big deal. How much bigger a deal is this than when David Beckham came and joined the LA Galaxy? A hundred times bigger. Really? Even with yeah, because but because MLS Beckham, is in a different place now than it was when he did that. True. There's that, and and Beckham as good a player as he was was never in discussion as the greatest player of all time, was not coming off of a World Cup win, was not the biggest player brand in the world at any point. Great player, don't get me wrong, but Lionel Messi is the greatest player of his sport of all time. And you're going to have and this, he's still, too. He's still got, he's still got he's still got some prime left. He's at the tail end of it, but he's still a great, great player. Absolutely. I mean, instrumental in their World Cup run. And I know yeah. they're they're unrelated, but similar. So you're going to have this messy phenomenon, which is what it's going to be. It's going to be a phenomenon. I mean, you're going to sell mm-hmm. out Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. You're going to sell out Bank of America they, Stadium in Charlotte. Which they already do. Not the upper. They close off the upper deck, so they sell what's available. But okay. they they actually close off the upper decks. They, they won't have to do that. Charlotte's going to sell out, and they play in the Panther Stadium. You're going to see teams move home games to football stadiums in town to accommodate. So you're going to have this craze, this insanity of Messi in America, and then the World Cup is going to happen in America. So you're going to have this influx of people paying attention to soccer, and then the biggest event in the world is going to happen right here. And Messi oh, yeah. should not be in that World Cup. He will probably not play in it. Okay. Be, we, are we pretty confident that we'll qualify? Oh, we're hosting it. We get to be in it since we we're host. hosting. Brother, we're we automatically qualified in, for the yeah. last one and made the knockout stage. What are you talking yeah, about? No, just just making sure. I mean, two, that doesn't two, mean yeah, we, we did that the time before and then didn't make the next one. So yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, I, I'm thinking about a comparison. Okay, so we go greatest of all time. So. Mm-hmm. Not Washington Wizards, Jordan. But last two years in Chicago, so so Jordan comes back after the year absence and he wins three straight titles for his second time in his career. He played eight. Can we talk about how remarkable it is that in 96, 97 and 97, 98, Jordan played in all 82 games of the regular season mm-hmm. and scored 30 and then 29 in those two seasons. Yeah. Is that what you're getting? Messi's you not getting there those... anymore. No. He's, he's not there? No. You're getting more Wizards, Jordan. But 
still yeah. playing at a high level. Yeah. Okay. Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started with you. Steve Gent will join us coming up next. We'll talk some golf with our friend. The Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for being with us as always in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Steve Gent is the executive director of the Sanderson Farms Championship. Uh, we, we had actually communicated prior to the news of yesterday and talked about getting together and talking a little bit about what was going on during the summer uh, as we get closer and closer to the start of the Sanderson Farms, which will be here before we know it. But um, the news of yesterday kind of uh, maybe caused us to press fast forward just a little bit. Steve, uh, I, I know like most of the rest of the world, outside of a handful of people, you were kind of caught by surprise yesterday with the uh, the news of the, I, I guess, merger is what we're calling it. What, what was your reaction? Yeah, I mean, I, I heard about it right when I think when everybody else did. You know, I was walking into... Um, an appointment and had not checked email a little bit to see that I'd gotten a press release from the PGA Tour at about two minutes till nine. And when my phone just starts lighting up and um, where my appointment was, I just could not get a signal. So it took me about 30 minutes to 45 minutes to actually kind of figure it all out. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I was, you know, I was just as amazed as everybody else was, um, you know, followed and really don't have any other insider information. They kept this pretty close to the vest and, I've been following the news like everybody else on on Golf Channel and you know the, all the social media outlets. So I um, I don't know much else other than you know what we're being told is that you know this is an initial framework. I'm not an M and A expert by any means, but um, it's I guess it's an initial framework agreement. All these details of what they started you know announced yesterday are, are going to be filled in. Um, I think it's an, you know it's an agreement for now. All the tours to work collaboratively. The lawsuits have been dropped. Um, the details of how this really impacts, you know, the game and players and everything are still to be to be revealed. Um, so yeah, we're um, you know we're we're doing the things that we can control four months out from the Sanderson Farms Championship. <laughs> so yeah, and, uh, and I guess that's you know uncertainty has in some ways kind of become a way of life for you with this golf tournament in Mississippi. I, I made a joke and. I, I need to emphasize that this is a joke because it, it doesn't sound like a great characterization, but it's something that we've heard for our entire lives. That the professional golf tournament in Mississippi has some cockroach qualities to it. Like it will not go away. This <laughs> this golf tournament has lived through different time slots, different weather patterns, and it is more stable and solid and it's it's better than it's ever been. Which has to give you some peace of mind when you go to sleep at night that, like, hey, we've done everything we can do, and the players love the tournament, and we can't wait to get to October. Yeah, I mean, I, I might prefer, like, the Survivor or the Night. Yeah, I know. Cockroach probably isn't the right better, way. I get it. But, um, but yeah, no, and, you know, this, this, this started long before I got here 10 years ago. 
I mean, obviously with Robert Morgan when he started this down in Hattiesburg in '68, and the and the boards and the people that that preceded me, you know, year after year, the different title sponsors and and keeping this thing going all these years. I mean, now we're probably one one of the longest running um, events on the tour. Yeah. And, you know, this is our 56th year. And, you know, it's an outdoor sport. You're always going to have weather issues. You're going to have um, sponsorship issues, times of the year, things you just can't control. But, yeah, I mean, um, I, I think we have done all the right things here, you know, in the, in the more recent um, time frame to, to set ourselves up to be a very well-respected, um, popular stop for the players on the PGA Tour. I was talking to somebody today. You know, they love the golf course. They love the hospitality. I mean, you know, what we, we forget about here in, in the central Mississippi, Jackson area is we have, you know, a lot of phenomenal restaurants for them. We've got great hotels. So we've, I mean, I think we've just done the things to do to keep enduring. And um, now the guys are, they love coming back every year. Yeah, you use better words, survivor and enduring. That Those are, are far better. So yeah, I, will, I like that uh, a little bit better, yeah. I, I will amend going forward. Amend the marketing um, brochure for me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a good plan. Um, one of the things that is, has been most important for you guys at the Sanderson Farms Championship, and I think in a lot of the communities, maybe maybe less in some of the huge tournaments, but certainly in some of the, the middle size and smaller size tournaments has been the connection to charity. And the PGA Tour has, has always loved to promote how much they have given back to the cities in which they've competed. Do you get the impression, even though we're very, very early in this process, that that component of professional golf in the United States will stay in place? I do. I do because I think it's because of the organizations like ours, like Century Club Charities across the country, and the communities that put these these events on, and the volunteers in our communities, I I don't think that changes. I think at times like you know yesterday's announcement, you know things get focused, you know becoming to you know talked about that the emotion about things, and you start to kind of lose focus on what's important. But yeah, I think because of the Century Club charities and the salesmanship clubs in Dallas and the Copperheads down in Tampa, I mean I think the folks on the ground. That that work really hard to make sure that our charities and our communities are impacted. Yeah, I don't think that changes at all. Um, week in, week out, you know, we are, you know, we are having a PGA Tour event to impact our charity. The the players that come, you know, is the the from the PGA Tour that are you know allowed to be here or qualified to be here. That's the in between the ropes product that the that I you know the PGA Tour brings us. Everything outside the ropes, everything that we do around it, the events, the hospitality, the programs, you know, all that is what we can control and work on and deliver a great product, you know, with the hope that, one, the community benefits from it, from restaurants and hotels and rental cars, right, and that, you know, our our charities like Friends of Children's Hospital and the Children's of Mississippi and First Tea and Stewpot, that they all benefit from us, you know, just working our tail ends off to throw a good event. So, Steve, we're watching the, the PGA a couple of weeks ago, and we get the Michael Block story, and in the immediate aftermath, the, the Charles Schwab, they, they call him and they say, hey, we want to give you a, a sponsor's exemption. And I, I, does he have one this week at RBC? Uh, I can't remember if he's got one this week also. When you are a tournament director and you see a story like that, but your event is still four weeks away, or I'm sorry, four months away, yeah. do you have to, like, tie your hand to the to the desk and be like, no, no. <laughs> 
right. You need to wait and let this play out a little bit. Don't be a prisoner of the moment. Yeah, I think you do. I mean, I think, hey, listen, Michael Toth, the tournament director at, at Colonial, and uh, Charles Schwab made a great call. Uh, one of the Pearson Cooties said, hey, I'm going to focus on the Corn Ferry Tour. I want to give you a spot back. It was the right call at that, at the, you know, to say, hey, I've got open up. Let's have Michael come over here to, to Fort Worth and play. That was, that was totally the right thing to do for their tournament, their community. I think, you know, being four months out, you're right. We don't know yet how, who's going to qualify for the playoffs with the fall being, you know, so much focused on guys keeping their cards, yeah. you know, earning a living, all that kind of stuff, you know, that we have to look at. Yeah, I think you just kind of go, hey, everybody, Michael's a great story. He's been here before. I mean, my, I think uh, he won the National PGA Championship, uh, which allows him to play in six PGA Tour events. I think the last time Michael was here was 2014 or 15. In fact, he, we got a lot of mentions two weeks ago as he, his lower score in a PGA Tour event or lower place was here. Um, at the Sanders Farms Championship when the last year he was here. So, um, yeah, I think you kind of have to wait and, and think, see, you know, see how things play out. Michael would probably tell you that same thing. Hey, he's, he's been on a fun ride here, but, um, uh, you know, he, he, he knows kind of, you know, that this is a great time and, and, yeah. um, you know, we'll see how far it takes him. But yeah, you, we'll look at things down the road and see how it all plays out. All right, Steve, a couple of minutes left. Uh, yep. What's happening right now in terms of uh, getting ready, and uh, how can people be planning in advance? Yeah, I mean, we are, we're in the middle of trying to figure out all our sponsorship sales. You know, you get to a point where in about six weeks, I've got to tell the company that builds our tents, this is what you load on our truck. So we're trying to finalize all of our agreements with sponsors, if they want a Skybox, if they want a Chalet, if they want a Pro-Am team. Um, we've opened volunteer registration. We're about to open ticket sales here in mid-July. So it's really kind of finalizing everything to get ready for those last two months. So uh, I always feel like when school gets out, everybody kind of flees the area for a while, you know, go on vacation, and we're trying to get answers. So the next six weeks will actually still be pretty hectic for us. Um, you know, I always t- everybody says, hey, how can we help? My best answer I have is, hey, if you want to help me impact charity, best thing you do is buy something. You know, whether it's a, you know, it gets down to a daily ticket, but we have pro-am teams who've got hospitality. Everything's on the website, sandersofarmschampionship.com. We are, um, you know, we are four months out, but a lot of times it feels like four days. So, uh, we, uh, we're just, we're getting ready to get ready. Let's put it that way. Four months can certainly go by in a hurry. Steve, always good to catch up. We'll talk to you certainly, uh, probably a couple of times between now and the start of the tournament. Look forward to being there with you this fall. I appreciate it. Thanks, fellas. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Steve Jemp, Sanderson Farms Championship. He's the executive director there. You can always check out their website, sandersonfarmschampionship.com. You know, guy in the golf business, runs a PGA Tour event, no notice. I did see today a report that said there there won't be any changes for this season and next. I found that interesting. Yeah. That this is going to be a slow burn. Yeah, I don't know what reports I believe at this point. It's hard to know. We don't have much information just quite yet. Sports Talk Mississippi. More coming up with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio right after this. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Continue to be uh, trickles, not even the right word. Like yesterday, there was this avalanche, this waterfall of news about golf, although it was just like, here's the news, but no real detail that went along with it. And I think the details are going to be steady flowing slash trickling for a long time. I do think that there was a uh, pretty fascinating piece of news that came out today because if you were listening to podcasts and hearing people pontificate and bloviate and talk and speculate yesterday, there was immediately a lot of conversation about the Ryder Cup because one of the big things related to people leaving the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour to go be part of Live was that they were forfeiting their ability to be part of the team golf events that are international, the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup, etc. And there are a lot of people who are like, oh, well, they've dropped all the litigation, so maybe the Ryder Cup's going to look like it's always looked. Keith Pelly is the CEO of the DP World Tour. That's formerly the European Tour. And he said, uh, not so fast. Nine DP World Tour members resigned after being punished for competing in live golf events last year, including Ryder Cup veterans Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia, Paul Casey, and Henrik Stenson. Stenson was supposed to be the captain of the European team after signing to play for Live Golf in July. And then you had four other guys, including uh, Martin Keimer and Abraham Anser, who also resigned from the tour. And Pelly, the CEO, said this. There have been several suggestions that with the joint committee uh, commitment to end further litigation between the parties... This also means our sanctions against players who broke our regulations will be waived. That is not the case. The suspensions and fines previously imposed remain effective. He also said that the ruling in that arbitration court was upheld in April, that the European Tour can uphold the rules and regulations. I'm sorry, Rory said this. And sanction people for leaving the Tour for harming the Tour. And Rory said, I think it's a moot point because all those guys have resigned their membership you're not a member of the European Tour, you can't play the Ryder Cup, to, so to me it's a moot point. Speaking of Rory. So we're still going to smoke the, the, the Ryder Cup, basically, is is what you're saying, that Americans are going to be heavy favorites in this one. Um, I mean, the only live guy that's, that's good enough to be on the team right now is Brooks, and uh, he's on top of his game again. We're going to smoke him. And that'll be fun. Yeah. I mean, they may want to put an asterisk by it, but whatever. Who cares? We'd still smoke them. Yeah. Although dominance on European soil has not been, um, certainly has not been a sure thing. No. For the U.S. Ryder Cup team. Uh, not anywhere close. Uh, Rory talked today, and uh, Rory is hurt, but he is also smart, and he is understanding, and he has a closer relationship with the commissioner of the PGA Tour than most of the other guys because of his role. Where are we starting, Morky? You got you got a couple of so, uh, Rory clips, right? Yeah, a couple. Uh, both are, are I think are, are very interesting. The first one is uh, him talking about 
being a sacrificial lamb was the phrase he used. I know you and many other golfers were offered substantial amounts of money to join Live. I was never offered oh, any money. My, oh, my apologies. Uh, should the golfers who maybe stayed loyal and turned down Live, should they be made whole financially? <laughs> I mean, the simple answer is yes. The complex answer is how does that happen? Mm -hmm. Right? And that's all, that's all gray area and up, up, up in the air at the minute. But yeah, there's, you know, it's hard to, it's hard for me to not sit up here and feel somewhat like a sacrificial lamb and you know feeling like i've put myself out there and this is what happens again removing myself from the situation i see how this is better for the game of golf there's no denying that but for me as an individual yeah i there's just gonna have to be conversations that are had i mean is that like when when he says i was never offered money is that like uh uh a, a school hiring a football coach and said we only offered the job to one guy? Yeah, it's like John Cohen saying Hugh Freeze was his first option. No, okay. he wasn't. No, no, he wasn't, but that's okay. Um, uh, that aside, never got an official offer from Liv because he never allowed the conversation to go that far down the road. But but he could have... Yes. He, he could have had one. Yes. For, yes. for hundreds of... Millions of dollars. Yes. I was talking to somebody earlier today. I, I don't know how. I know he's a very rich man, but I don't know how he, he doesn't just go punch Jay Monahan in the face. I, I don't know how. If you, for, forgive the, the phrasing here, if you screw me out of 300 plus million dollars and you lead me to believe that what happened would never happen and I turn down upwards of 3 to 400 million dollars you're getting socked right in the face the next time I see you at a minimum that's what's happening next i don't know how he resists the urge to do that and he he actually, he's a small guy but he works out he could do it <laughs> he could give jay a good one but man he handled today with much more class than than i would have well, and and all the reports are like anybody that's been around him says Rory's a really good dude. Like he he just is. He's a good person. And the fact that he's probably already worth three or four hundred million dollars probably doesn't hurt. He has said very openly in the past. He's like, I'm not, I'm not doing this for money. I got all the money in the world. I need I, whatever. I mean, there, there there's nothing he can't buy that he wants. And I get the impression that they're going to, especially with this new structure, this new for-profit structure that they have, they're going to do some things to make guys like Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and others who stuck with the PGA Tour. I don't know that they'll ever make them whole, but I get the impression that there's going to be some significant bonus money that is handed their way as a way of saying thank you and sticking with us and sorry that this looked the way it did. But here's the other thing. So, so he says the, you know, if I remove myself from the situation and look at it from a bigger picture standpoint, this is good for the game of golf. Here's what he's not saying. And I don't think this is being said enough. The PGA Tour, as it exists this year, with these 12 designated events that have purses between 15 and 20 million dollars was not sustainable. The PGA Tour did not have the money and was not having the success in generating the revenue from sponsors to double their purses 
and oh by the way spend somewhere between 30 and 50 million dollars a year in legal fees for as long as Liv wanted to draw draw out the um the the litigation yeah. I mean that's that's one and a half max purses a year or two max purses a year in legal fees that you're spending they didn't have the money. Like the PGA Tour didn't have the money to continue this way. And so I think Rory is probably smart enough to be able to sit back and go, I mean, I still feel incredibly hurt. I feel used. But I am thankful that the profession and the company that I work for has made the plans necessary so that I can continue to play golf and make the kind of living that I'm making. Yeah. Especially, as you mentioned... Plus, the, plus, plus. Right. The, the, the current structure remaining. Because I've seen a lot of hysteria about, well, the, the sport as we know, it's been turned upside down on its head and all those things. And, and the more I think about it, based on what you said yesterday, uh, got me thinking and a couple conversations I had today with just friends and my dad just talking about this and the, the motives behind the Saudis that are buying up all, buying soccer teams and, and buying the PGA Tour and buying all this stuff, they are sports washing. There's no reason to dance around. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to change the perception of their country via sport. They're Part, not partly, 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 partly. Of course, and in other investments and all that. But but the sports angle is doing it via sport. The PGA Tour, even the Corn Ferry Tour, and the DP World Tour, are successful. They're profitable. People like them. Blowing that up would not be in their best interest. What would be in their best interest is to enhance the product, but to relative to to keep it as is. Because it's good. It works. It functions. It makes money. People like it. It's stable. They, they lose Tiger Woods, essentially, and ratings are still good. Money's still good. They've got stars, and the format is something that people like. And they go all over the country, and the, the attendance is great, and it's profitable. And so you've got these people that want the world, and a, a lot of Americans, to look at them more positively. Blowing something that they like up and destroying it would be a detriment to those efforts. At the core, they're not good people. But they're not dumb people. Blowing all of this up and changing it and everything we love about it would be a really bad decision that I don't think they're going to make. Mm -mm. More coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. You guys seen some of these pictures from the Northeast of the, uh, the smoke that has enveloped the skies? Yeah, two Major League Baseball games that have been postponed tonight. The uh, Yankees-White Sox game in New York and the Tigers-Phillies game in Philadelphia has been postponed. Got the fires in Canada with the smoke drifting down. 
It's crazy. Like eerie, eerie. Looks some apocalyptic. The, yeah, some of the pictures yeah. of, of New York City kind of, oh. Hmm. That's a, that's a mess. And uncomfortable to be in, too. You ever been in an area where they've got, like, wildfire smoke drifting through? That's oof, no good. No good. Um, let's do one more thing on the uh, on the golf stuff, and then we'll kind of leave that behind for today unless something uh, pops up. Hey, Dad, I think you'll even like this. This is Rory telling everybody what he really thinks. So with regard to Liv and his stance and where it is now, Rory McIlroy. But it's not Liv. I think that's the thing. I still hate Liv. Like, I hate Liv. Like, I... I hope it goes away and I would fully expect that it does um, and I think that's where the distinction here is this is the PJ Tour the DP World Tour and the PIF very different from live all I've th- tried to do is protect what the PJ Tour is and what the PJ Tour stands for and I think it will continue to to do that um, so look going forward I hope that there's you know there may be a team element and you're going to see Maybe me, maybe whoever else play in some sort of team golf, but I don't think it'll look anything like Liv has looked, and I think that's a good thing. He hates Liv. He hates it. Because it's goofy and terrible. It is. I mean, there are a lot of people that, that defended it, I think, in part because the former president encouraged them to. Because the format itself stunk. I, I watched... And, and based on the ratings, the amount of people that say they watched versus the people that actually watched are two different numbers. It was exhibition. It, it was goofy. It was, it was very unserious. I had an interview with Bryson DeChambeau yesterday, Borky, and they said, hey, what would you like to see come over from Liv back to the PGA Tour? He's like, shorts and bush nails. Hey, He's like, whatever. it's hot at some events, and why can't we have rangefinders? I mean, two of the majors now let you have them, right? Isn't that what? I, I know the PGA Championship does. 100% sure that they do. 100%. Because uh, Block was using one, and I was like, wait a minute. And I Googled it, and sure enough, okay. they do. That's a new thing uh, for them. But, yeah, everything else, the, the team format doesn't make any sense. It's, it's not a team sport. The only time it works is when you're doing the Americans versus Europeans or Americans versus the world thing. Uh, the Zurich Classic is okay when you've got two-man teams. That's kind of fun. Uh, but just four players that are affiliated for just whatever reason, not actually doing anything. It was always goofy. And I, I, I'm with Rory. I, I hope that goes away, too. But that's what I didn't like about Liv is the format stunt. I, I'm, I'm glad that Brooks is back. I'm glad that Bryson's back. I don't like him, but he's a spectacle, and he's entertaining, and I would like him to be involved in these uh, events more. There's a lot of has-beens there. But Cam Smith, glad he's back. Harold Varner, mentioned him earlier, glad he's back. Yeah. That, that, that's the win here, is they're all together again. The format, and leaving Greg Norman out of it kind of tells me that they think that the, the live format wasn't doing them any favors. No, nobody like Greg Norman. He, uh, he wore out his welcome quickly everywhere he went. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We have a piece of news for a former 
college baseball player from the state of Mississippi. Gray Kessinger is making his MLB debut tonight. Houston Astros have tweeted out their lineup card. He will bat ninth and play third base for the Astros. Can you imagine what that day would be like? Like, it's it's not even... So if you play college football and you get drafted, you're going to be on a team. If you play Major League Baseball, or I'm sorry, you play college baseball and you get drafted, there's nowhere close to a guarantee that you're ever stepping foot on a Major League Baseball field. In fact, probably more guys don't that get drafted than actually do. And so if you've been playing baseball since you were five years old, six years old, and you go through a good young kid career, and then a good high school career, and then a good college career, and an up-and-down minor league career, and then you finally get the call up and you're there for three or four days and don't get in a game, and then finally they pencil your name in the lineup, I can't even imagine what that might feel like. That's what Greg Kessinger gets to do tonight. Third generation from his family to play in a Major League Baseball game. That is a cool story. Four o'clock hour coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, in the Pearl River Resort Studios. To the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go, four o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com to book your tea time or plan your trip today. Love to hear from you on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. We will get to your messages, but right now we are joined by Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball, d1baseball.com on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Kendall, we'll jump into the Super Regionals in just a second, but looking back on Regional Weekend, um, I thought it was really good, and I thought there were compelling storylines all over the country. We had high drama, had some weather delays that were mixed in, there were some upsets, there was some chalk, just kind of had a little bit of everything. What, what did you think of Regional Weekend? All right. Apparently not very highly. kind of... Cast the kind of cutting edge analysis we rely on Kendall Rogers for. Yeah, we might try that one more time in uh, in just a moment. See if we can get Kendall back on the line. Um, you know, when you when you kind of bounce around the country, so right, you had Wake Forest who was dominant. You had that Clemson Tennessee game in Clemson that did three quarters of a million viewers for it. Kendall, I was just kind of asking your impressions of uh, of regional weekend as a whole. I thought it was pretty good. 
It was really good. I think if you look around the country, you know, we have a little bit of everything. We had some of the some of the chalky, uh, you know, results. We had some of the results like o, uh, ORU in the Stillwater Regional, uh, you know, and obviously when you look at what they've done, you know, Ron Fulmer's done a tremendous job there. You know, you look at the, you know, the one you were at with Alabama, you know, Troy, uh, you know, made a head, you know, had a pretty good showing, and then you have, uh, you know, Boston College get to the final against Alabama, and then Alabama just continues. Uh, to win. So, you know, you look at Nashville with Xavier against Vanderbilt. Like, who, who would have thought, you know, Vanderbilt would get knocked out by Xavier out of the Big East? So, to me, there were, there were a little bit of everything in terms of storylines, and that's kind of what you hope for on regional weekend. Yeah, yeah. But Southern Miss losing their first game, and then Auburn turning around and losing its first game, leaving that thing wide open. I know you picked Southern Miss to win the Auburn Regional. We talked about that a, a week ago. But after yeah. they lost in the opener to Samford, I'm assuming that you were kind of questioning that pick just a bit. Uh, I was until Auburn lost. Yeah. Um, I think when Auburn lost, I'm kind of like, okay, we're, we're back to square one. Because I think I think any of us, when we looked at Samford and we looked at Penn, probably said, you know what, those two teams, they're going to run out of pitching. Uh, Southern Miss, Auburn, maybe not so much. So, I think had Auburn won that first game and Southern Miss lost, I would have felt a little bit uh, pessimistic about you know USM's chances of getting through that regional. But I think once Auburn lost, I think it kind of squared things up a little bit. But you know, I, I give Southern Miss a lot of credit. Uh, anytime you have to come out of the loser bracket after losing the first game and win a regional, uh, that's incredibly difficult to do. It doesn't matter if you're playing Penn or you're playing Wake Forest. That's just really hard to do. So. Uh, they played really well, and they certainly capped it off with, a, with what I would call a pretty good performance in the final game. Yeah, I would agree with that. So let's just talk briefly about the Hattiesburg Regional. They've got Tennessee sure. coming in this weekend. There was some debate as to whether or not that should have been in Hattiesburg or in Knoxville. Obviously, Southern Miss fans d- thought they deserved it. Tennessee fans thought they deserved it. It's being played in Hattiesburg. W- when you look at this matchup, what kind of a chance do you give Southern Miss uh, against a Tennessee team that has pitched it well but has been inconsistent this season? Well, the one thing about Tennessee is I thought they played really well over the weekend. And they for them to go to Clemson and what I would consider, you know, Clemson's not typically known for having an insane atmosphere, but like I thought their atmosphere for a regional was very good. Uh, so the fact they went in there and played really well is impressive to me. Uh, there, there's no doubt that outside of Tanner Hall, uh, Tennessee has a big advantage on the mound, I feel like. Uh, I kind of feel like the two offenses a little bit of a wash, at least at the peak. Uh, this is one of the series that if Southern misses on the road, I don't think I'd feel great about it for Southern Miss, but I think the fact that they're at home, uh, I think they've got a pretty decent shot here. Because I just think they, you know, they, you know, Ole Miss series last year was standing. Uh, I feel like they played pretty well at home. Um, and I think they're going to kind of, I think they're going to, they're, they're one of the teams that's going to learn a lot of lessons from how they kind of approach things against Ole Miss last year. So I think that kind of helps them this year. But, uh, you know, Tennessee is just one of those teams that, you know, you've seen them all year long in the SEC, but, they're just one of those teams that, you know, I mean, they look the part when they're on. When they're on, they're just as good as anybody in the country. Uh, the problem, they've been a little bit inconsistent. Uh, you know, they were they were not great uh, the day that uh, the SEC tournament they were there. Uh, they were really good last weekend. And so the question becomes, you know, are, will they be the team that was at the SEC tournament for a day or will they be the team that's at Clemson? And that's kind of the, to me, that's the million-dollar question going into Hattiesburg. Do you buy anything into, like, you know, fitting in for a great career, a great man, that that helps Southern Miss? Does it make his team, uh, you know, Scott Berry's team, play harder? I know he was asked about that after the game. He's like, I hope that's not why they're doing it. He's like, I'm just proud for them, which is a very Scott Berry answer. Is there anything to that? I think there is. I mean, I 
I think back to uh, when Florida State played at LSU in a Super, if you remember, what was it, four years ago? Yeah. Now, that when FSU played at LSU in a Super, LSU was a huge favorite. Uh, and Florida State, with Mike Martin in his final year, beat LSU at the box to get to Super or to get to Omaha. And so, always think back to that. And, and I think there's no doubt that that plays a factor. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those things like, even if you think you're kind of down and you kind of think, um, you know, hey, this team might have our number today. That, that gives you a little bit of extra energy. That gives you gives you extra gear that you may not have had otherwise. So, uh, I think it does help USM. I don't. I certainly don't don't think it causes them to have any pressure. I, I think it only helps them. Is there anything to that in Winston-Salem with Alabama, with the way that they have played for Jason Jackson, kind of in the absence of Brad Bohannon since he's yeah. been terminated? You know, they found some magic late. A- Alabama did something last week that they had not done all year long in consecutive games. They had not had a walk-off win all year. They did that on Friday night against Nichols. They had not come from behind. They were like 0-17 after trailing yeah. in eight through eight innings, and, and they come back and they beat Troy the, the next night in that way. Is there anything, or is Wake Forest just too freaking good? I think Wake Forest is too good, but I'll tell you this. Uh, I think Alabama's going to play well. Uh, this is a team that really hasn't played bad in about six weeks. I mean, every single weekend they've played pretty good baseball, and it kind of started with the, the Saturday-Sunday at A&M, but uh, the thing I like about Alabama is they've, they've got pitching depth. As, as you saw uh, at Tuscaloosa, you know, there were a couple of games there they had to use some offense. But, I mean, for the most part, you know, whether it's McMillan and McNary, uh, the list kind of goes on. I mean, they've got pitching depth. And so I think they can match up a Wake Forest in terms of depth. The problem is, is just getting into those bull, getting in that Wake bullpen. I mean, uh, Rhett Louder, Sean Sullivan, Josh Hartle have been so good all year long that, like, all of a sudden they're going to show up at the Alabama series and, you know, not get out of the fourth or fifth inning. So, uh, you know, Wake is one of those teams that just, like, you keep waiting for them to take a step back. But, man, it's almost like they're getting better. I mean, they scored, what, 42 runs or something in three games last weekend in the, in the regional. Uh, they just showed no signs of slowing down. I don't think that's going to stop this weekend. There, There is a group of two Super Regionals. When you look at Eugene and Fort Worth, where when this yeah. tournament started, I don't think any of us thought Oregon, Oral Roberts, Indiana State, or TCU, one of those four teams, was going to be in Omaha. But two of those four teams are going to be in Omaha when it's all said and done. Is this part of what makes the postseason so much fun in college baseball? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think if you look at if you look at like Indiana State, I mean, this is a team that, you know, was pretty good for much of the season. And then top 10, you know, it's, it's it's one of those things that, like, a lot of people kind of thought, like, hey, they shouldn't be hosting a regional, but they host a regional. And I'll be really honest with you, you know, I watched Indiana State all weekend last week, and, like, they look legit. Like, I mean, they've got, you know, Grant McGill, uh, you know, the, the Miguel Rivera kid is, is really good. I mean, they've got nice pieces on the in, in terms of the pitching staff. Uh, Mitch Hennis has a legit team. Uh, and so that's going to be interesting at TCU. And then uh, ORU, we kind of talked about them a minute ago, but, you know, that was kind of the team that we all kind of pinpointed as the – it's kind of the four seed to watch, and boy, they proved it last week. I mean, Cade Denton on the back end up to 97 uh, with his fastball with a filthy slider. You know, Jonah Cox still has that on-base streak going for uh, ORU. So, I mean, they're to me, they're really dangerous, too. I actually am not so sure if I wouldn't pick them to win that Super. I think they're a really good team. So, uh, I think it's one of those years where, you know, people are going to naturally look at Indiana State and ORU and go, oh, those are Cinderella stories. But at least in Indiana State's case, that's not a Cinderella story. That's a team – you know, they entered the postseason of the top 10 RPI, and they looked the part. They look like an elite team right now. 
Can Kentucky pull it off in Baton Rouge? Never say never, man. But I, I, just, I think LSU is a bad matchup for them. I feel like Kentucky's one of those offenses, you know. And granted, Devin Burks is is red hot, but I think Kentucky's one of those offenses they've really got to kind of get uh, in a, in a groove because they have to rattle together consistent hits because they're not going to hit power. They're not going to match up with LSU power versus power. Uh, so they're just going to have to be red hot offensively, just because LSU, you know, they're going to hit two or three home runs a game. That's going to lead to six or seven runs or whatever. And the question for me is: Kentucky can Kentucky keep up with that? Uh, they cannot do that in two games in Baton Rouge. Uh, they did do that in the third game in Baton Rouge earlier this year. I think they actually, I want to say they run ruled them or got close to run ruling them. So yeah. uh, there's familiarity there, but uh, yeah, I, I got to go with LSU at home. I just think that's a bad matchup for UK. Super Regional Weekend coming up. Kendall, thanks as always for your time. Uh, enjoy Omaha next week. We'll catch up with you at some point while you're there. You got there. it, buddy. Talk to you later. Thanks. That's Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. D1Baseball.com. Joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. So, Super Regional play starts on Friday. The Friday series are South Carolina at Florida. Dave Neal, Chris Burke on the call for those three games. We know that uh, the first one is at 5 o'clock Central on Friday night. Um, Duke-Virginia begins on Friday, ACC matchup there. That's John Schriffen and Lance Cormier. Oregon and Oral Roberts starts on Friday. Roxy Bernstein and Xavier Scruggs. And also on Friday, you've got uh, Indiana State TCU, Clay Matvick, and Greg Olson. The Saturday starts are Wake Forest, Alabama. Mike Farron and Gabby Sanchez on the call for that. Uh, Stanford, Texas, out on the West Coast, Mike Monaco and Kyle Peterson. LSU, Kentucky, Tom Hart, Ben McDonald. And Southern Miss, Tennessee, Roy Philpot and Todd Walker. And game one of the Southern Miss, Tennessee series is at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Sunday and Monday's, if necessary, game times are to be determined. I've already got my whole day planned out on Saturday to mm-hmm. be able to watch that game uninterrupted. I'm a genius. So I'm, I'm taking the He's little guy. He's a genius, hey, Dad, I, I he am. says. I, I'm dadding the I right way. That. There's a, this is going to sound goofy, there, there's a, a reptile uh, show, uh, whatever, uh, convention thing here in town. Like the Children's starts, Museum? Or what? That starts at 10. No, it's somewhere else, a place I've never heard of. But James is interested, of course, in animals that move, right? Like all of them. They're, they're, they're the coolest. So I'm going to take him and blow through his nap while being there. We're going to be there. We're going to have a late lunch. Get him nice and and stimulated mentally, seeing all the animals and all that stuff. Fat and happy, 
and I'm going to put him down right at 2 o'clock. And he will sleep through the entire game, hopefully. And then we'll wake up and go to the minor league game that night. Like, I'm dadding the right way. I I get to do my work obligation uninterrupted while also making him as happy as he can be. And he won't even know that I'm manipulating him to clear my calendar for a work thing. It's genius. There are a lot of animals that don't move. Well, I mean, some, but it's like interactive. Like, he'll be able to get face to face with them and, like, hold some and stuff like that. Yeah, it's not like at a zoo where if you you go to the the bear enclosure and the bear's just sleeping in the corner, you know, that's not exciting. He gets to, like, be involved in this. All right, I got you. What kind of reptiles are you going to put him face to face with? Snakes, hopefully. He, He doesn't mind holding them and touching them and stuff. Tell me more about how you're dadding the right way, though. <laughs> I'm kidding. Man. I'm it, kidding. Look, I'm just look, not look, a snake Little guy. boys and reptiles, man. The, the, I've, I hear uh, you. I never want to own one myself, but I do like, you know, like just somebody putting a ball python, you know, and just here, hold this for a little while. I like that. Okay. You never held a snake before? I have. I have no interest in doing it again. What kind? Do you remember? I, I don't know. They can't hurt you. Well, some of them can, but the ones yeah, you're going to be yes. holding can't hurt you. <laughs> they, they can here in some, Mississippi. The ones you're holding can't, can't hurt, you. hurt you. Yeah. yeah. I guess, I mean, I've, I've like picked up a snake before. I mean, yeah. I've got a uh, a huge speckled king snake that has made a home around my house. And, buddy, I'm not going to bother him. Because he's keeping all the rest of them away. He but, keeps all the uh, the bad stuff away. I mean, he he's got to be five feet. I mean, he's big. He's he's long because I found his shed recently, and so he's growing too, which is is always nice. But I, I've seen him, and I know he's a speckled king snake. And so, if you see one of those, don't kill him. They keep all the bad snakes away. But yeah, yeah I have a snake in my backyard. He's around, and and I'm not. My only concern is the dog's going to scare him and chase him away. Uh, but he's been around for like a year and a half now, so I'm not getting rid of. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not worried about other snakes. I, I don't like rats, so I have the exterior defense of the snake, and then I got four cats in the house. I should be good. You do have a snake that lives in your yard, Hayden. Yeah, he's in the backyard. I've seen him a couple times. Okay, not like he has. Like you've made a little habitat for him, and you can go out and like say hi to no, him every day. He no, just kind of. No, he just he hangs around. I have a, I have a shed in the back, and I see him back there every now and then. Mm. I'll leave him alone. Things are different at your house than they are at my house. So you kill them indiscriminately? Yes. Even the king snakes? Yes. But they're yeah. I know. I know. I know. I know they're good. I know what they do. I understand it. The answer is yes. <laughs> and king kingsnakes mess with you. They rot. They... And, and, and okay, I'll tell a story. Yes. I, I think the statute of limitations has ended. So, like three houses ago for us, I know, make your jokes about us moving too much. I, I don't think we're moving anymore. Um, we had put we put sod in some areas, but there was also some areas where we had to put out some grass seed, and there was kind of that netting to try and keep sod, because it was on a hill. And I was cutting the grass. This was... Late spring, it was Mayish, and we lived across from a park. 
And while I was on the lawnmower, I saw not one but two snakes. I'm not great at identifying them. Yes, I learned after the fact that they were king snakes, or at least one of them was, because it was eating another. And they were interlocked, and it was long and kind of nasty looking and just whatever. And so even though I was in a place where I knew better than to do this, I went and got a gun. (laughs) And I ended those snakes' life. What I didn't think about was the fact that it was the time of year where lots of school children do their field days in the park across the street. And I had somebody later tell me, like, oh, did you hear a gunshot in our neighborhood? I was like, oh, my God. Uh, no, I, I <laughs> no, no idea. I did not hear a gunshot. What in the world happened? <laughs> so... I would. Uh, I, I couldn't find like a hoe or a shovel to handle it, and so I, I used what I had available at the time. Um, yes. <laughs> no, I wouldn't be. All right. Oh, so, we need to find out who that was. Isn't somebody it? says, "Was this the house you somehow burned up the dumpster?" Nope, 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 nope. This was not not the same. Place. Totally different house. Completely different. Those, um, those king snakes will troll you, though. So their defense mechanism is to move their tail like they're a rattlesnake. They don't have a rattle, but they shake it like a rattlesnake. And it confuses people. They think, oh, well, that's a rattler, and boom, off with the head. But it's not one. Yeah. Brian in D.C. says, Richard, I'm with you. No snakes ever under any circumstances. I Look, man, I've got friends that, like, love snakes. And, like, he gets I'm I'm, I'm just, no. Like, I'm not as bad as Will I love them. I'm not as bad as Willie's, yeah. but I'm just, yeah. I don't uh, love snakes, but we have a symbiotic relationship. You know? We just we benefit from each other. Gibb and Greenwood says there are three kinds of snakes to fear: venomous, non-venomous, and sticks that look like snakes. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey. Herschel says he's with me. He said he's scared of five kinds of snakes: big ones, little ones, dead ones, alive ones, and toy ones. Yeah. I don't have like a fear per se of them. I would rather not run up on a cotton mouth in a swampy area, well, I mean, but it's all the that's same. That's just common sense. But I just don't like they they give me the the heebie-jeebies. That that's the way to describe it. That's like, you know. So do you, do you go to the snake house at the zoo? Like my wife is scared of snakes. Yeah, she won't I will. go. She, she won't go in there. She won't. She yeah, won't. Yeah, she don't do the reptile house. Somebody asked if you if I could have hit him with the lawnmower. Yeah, I could have, but shooting it felt like might a, have gotten some on you then. Yeah, shooting it felt like a uh, better. I mean, I, I didn't know what it was. What if venom had flown into the air? <laughs> might have become a superhero. Yeah. There's a guy I watch on YouTube. His his name is Chandler's Wildlife. Is the YouTube channel. He's got. Like dozens, uh, he's got this big property. He's got a bunch of alligators and all this crap. He's a weird dude, but he's got two like fifteen foot long king cobras, and he handles them with his bare hands. And every time he's like, "See this snake? He doesn't want to hurt us. He doesn't want to hurt us." I'm waiting for the day where I read the headline: "Popular YouTuber gets killed by king cobra." It's like I don't mind holding the ball pythons and those snakes that like if they even bite you, like there's no venom. Like it might hurt a little, but there's no venom. This dude's. With his bare hands, messing with the most deadly snakes like in the world, and he's like, "See, they don't want to hurt us at all. It's totally fine." 
they're going to kill him one day. It's going to happen. Yeah. Jeff in Grenada says, I've walked around many a cotton mouth and did nothing because I had a turkey gobbling. Yeah. Such is the, um, that, that is very much a turkey hunter's mindset, Jeff. I, I, I can appreciate that. It, you know, good on you. CC in Cenotopia says, if you kill a king snake, eventually people will chase you down and throw water balloons at you. That's fair. <laughs> yes. Uh. Red, yellow, and black uh, water balloons. Yeah. We will, uh, when we come back, we will continue the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Hey, Dad, finally going to engage this afternoon. That's coming up next. Ah, enjoy my time off. Podcasts. Sports Talk Mississippi. It doesn't get any better than this. What? On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find it at, uh, you can find Genteel Apparel at men's clothing stores all across the Magnolia State and throughout the Southeast, including Harry Meyer Clothing in Meridian, Landry's on the Square in Oxford, SF Alderman in Gulfport, Smith and Company in Greenwood, and Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia. If you haven't tried Genteel, do yourself a favor. Just give it a try. Try one of their golf shirts. Try a pair of the shorts. Grab one of the quarter zips. You'll love that in the fall when things cool off just a little bit. I actually got a peek at uh, at their fall line that's coming out. They, uh, they've they got some hoodies, some lightweight hoodies that are going to be part of the uh, line this fall. Hoodies all the rage these days. You're going to love them. Try them online. Genteelapparel.com. Enter your email address at their website if you want to order directly from them. Get 10% off your very first order. That's Genteelapparel and Genteelapparel.com. Time right now for 100 Teams in 100 Days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 Teams in 100 Days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one, go! It's the final countdown! Today, head to part of the great northwest to talk about the boise state broncos boise state team number 86 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days why are you shaking your head no it's 87 isn't it? 87 i'm sorry i marked it on the wrong see i got my list right there 87 boise state has had a run of really good football coaches. And one of the greatest, like, not memories in college football history, but everybody remembers watching that Fiesta Bowl, don't they? No doubt. Absolutely. The yes. Statue of Liberty play? Yes. 100%. And the hook and lateral? Yeah. And then the proposal? All of it. Is everything you want. Yeah. So, so here's my question. Going back to Houston Nutt in 1997, Say what you want to about Houston Nutt. Good football coach, won a bunch of games. He was there for one year, left Boise State to go to Arkansas. Dirk Cutter followed Houston Nutt. He was there 98, 99, 2000, left Boise State to go to Arizona State. Dan Hawkins was there 2001 through 2005. 
had a lot of success, and left Boise State for Colorado in the Big 12. Then Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson had the longest, most successful run. He was there 2006 to 2013. Finally left Boise State, had a bunch of opportunities along the way, finally left and took the Washington job, where he also had success. Brian Harson, 2014 to 2020, leaves Boise State, goes to Auburn. We know how that ended, and now we are in the Andy Avalos era. He is headed into his third season as the head coach at Boise State. So here's the question that I have for you guys. Starting with Houston, that in 1997, of all of those coaches that I mentioned, how many of them do you think would like a do-over on leaving Boise State? Most so, of so, them. So, but, but hold on. All right, so Houston Nutt obviously leaves, right? He, he leaves Boise to go to Arkansas. Great, great decision. It was a good decision for him. Had a really successful run at Arkansas. So he still would do it all over again. Would Dirk Cutter, instead of going to Arizona State, just stay. He was 26-10 and 10 and won two Big West championships and then made the move to the WAC during the Dirt Cutter era. Would he stay put and not leave if he had it to do over again? I mean, he ended up in the NFL for a long time, including a couple years as a head coach there. So I, I think he might stick it out. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, he went to what four bowls at Arizona State. What about Dan Hawkins? He was Dirk Cutter's offensive coordinator and then was promoted to head coach December of 2000. Kind of an odd guy. Left there and went to Colorado. Never really got it completely rolling at Colorado. There was a moment he there. Stays. He stays. Yeah. Go play in a murals, brother. Chris Peterson. Goes. He... He did it the right way, didn't he? He waited until the yeah. right job came along. He took family mm-hmm. considerations in. He stayed in the part of the country where his family was comfortable, Pacific Northwest, and it was a good run. Took, and then when he was ready to step away at Washington, he stepped away. Took a job where no media member would call his office and ask if he was a Scientologist. Smart move. Brian Harson, 2014 to 2020. He went 69 and 19 in his time at Boise State. And when he left Boise State, he was making $1.77 million per year. You think he'd like a do-over? I mean, if he could turn back time, yes, he would stay. Did you read the the article recently about Brian Harson? Uh, and, no. and just how he, he moved back to Boise. He and the family moved back there. I don't think mm. he's coaching, but they, he moved back there. And a, a lot of Auburn and SEC people picked out some quotes in there and, and were roasting him. Well, it, he says all this, but he didn't recruit at Auburn. It's like, are you forgetting that the school opened up an investigation into an affair that they made up so they could fire him after one year? It's an affair that he didn't have. An affair that he didn't have after that investigation because he didn't win enough games after one year. It's like, for some reason, people forget that Auburn did that man and his family so wrong. And yes, he made a bunch of money to go away. Good for him. But they dragged that dude through the ringer 
I mean, could you imagine the conversations he had to have with his wife? Seriously, when he gets home from work, hey, honey, my employer, you know, the reason that this town exists, they're going to dig through everything they can to try to prove that I had an affair. Could you imagine what her reaction was to that? Well, did you? No. Are you lying? I mean, that, that kind of fight back and forth that he had to have for however long it lasted just because he didn't win enough football games in one season. Yeah. And I'm supposed to pretend that Auburn was the victim in that because he stopped recruiting? Yeah. I, I, I read the whole thing and thought, this is, and then the reaction to that was very bizarre. That dude was done wrong there. So, this year's Boise State team, I mean, Boise is one of those programs, or at least I think it is, the, the way I look at them. I don't care exactly what their schedule is. I'm pretty sure that they're winning between 9 and 11 games. That's just kind of what I believe they have come, become as a program. Now they're going to have a year where they fall back and they win 7 or 8. I don't know if we've got like a 12-win Boise that's on the horizon. But it feels like they're basically a 10-win team. They went 10-4 and four last year. They got a big challenge. They, they opened the season at Washington this year. So it's probably 0-1 out of the gate, but it was 0-1 out of the gate last year after they lost to Oregon State in the season opener. They get UCF at home in Week 2. Credit to them for doing this, but also, why is UCF going to Boise in Week 2? I don't know. What are you doing that for? I, I, I don't know. John Rice Plumley on the blue turf in week two for UCF at Boise. You know, he'd really play well on a black and white alternating turf. <laughs> week three? North Dakota? <laughs> it took him a second. <laughs> 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 ah. <laughs> Week three, North Dakota. Then they go to San Diego State. Then they go to Memphis. The, and uh, the Memphis game, oh, that's a Saturday game. Uh, that Memphis has got like a Friday night game mixed in there. That one's on Saturday. Back home for San Jose State. Got to go to Colorado State. Got Wyoming at home. Got to go to Fresno. New Mexico at home, got to go to Utah State, and then they finish it out at home against Air Force. I mean, doesn't that feel like a schedule where they probably go 9-3 and three this year? Yeah. Yeah. Should. Should. Yeah. Very few programs in the country more consistent than that one. I mean, you read through the list of coaches. Look at the, all of their records. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like year by year. It's like just It's just really good. I mean, they've been a bowl team. Almost every season, they um, have finished in the top 20. Okay, since 2002, since 2002, in the top 25, they finished 15, 16, 12, 5, 11, 4, 9, 8, 18, 16, 22, 23, 23. Wow. Between 2002 and 2019, they won double-digit games, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 
uh, I didn't even count that right, 13 or 14 times. Just a solid, solid football program. Boise State, team number 80. What number is it, hey, Dad? 87 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. We'll get to their famous alums when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of entertainment. Learn more about what's happening at Pearl River Resort at their website, pearlriverresort.com. All right. Famous alums from Boise State, who is team number 87 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. This is a rough list. Come on. Outside of sports. They really don't have anybody. Uh, Earl Bone, who is, a, is a, apparently a world champion, that guy from movies. He's been in like 50 movies. One of those guys, oh, that guy. But y- you don't know him. Uh, they have a director, Michael Hoffman, who's on the Boise page, says is directed including several Oscar-winning titles. But then when you go to his actual uh, Wikipedia page, uh, there are no Oscar-winning titles. So somebody's lying there. Um and beyond that, uh, that's it. That's going to be it for it. Jim Cathy, Chief Commercial Co- Officer at Qualcomm. And the only reason I know about Qualcomm is because of Matt Harvey's interview with Dan Patrick where he was promoting Qualcomm. Okay. Uh, One of my all-time favorite sports media moments. Yeah. Yeah, when when on the Wikipedia page in the government and public policy section, one of yeah, a judge from 1980 on the Idaho Court of Appeals is exactly is one of your, shout out to okay. shout out to Sergio Gutierrez. I mean, great for him. I'm sure he was a great and fair uh, adjudicator. Well, since we don't have any great Boise State alums, let's just play something for you. That was from one of the former Boise State coaches. Hey, Dad, I think you'll recognize this voice. Post-Boise State, in his first pregame speech as the head hog. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. This is your home. You hear that? You hear that? That's special. There's a lot of lions, tigers, and bears, but they but one Razorback. Not but one. It's about little things, fellas. Poise and confidence. Poise and confidence. When one of your teammates makes a play, I want to see 10 to come tell it. Somebody makes a tackle with a big hit, I want to see 10 go tell it. You play like the Razorbacks, fellas. You're ready. You are ready. Physically and mentally, you're ready. We hit this field, we hit it better than anybody in the country. I want the defense on the left, offense on the right, and then all of a sudden we come in all together as one. Hey, sideline, you guys that are watching, that's your freshman. I want you to be the best cheerleaders in America. You help your teammates, encourage, 
This is it, baby. This is the start. We come back to that night. It's one and over. Here we go. Right now, let's take the field. Like that was inspiring, wasn't it? I don't listen to your stuff, Richard. People tell me about it. Wasn't no 45 to 10, though. Nah, that's not me. I'm not that guy. If there I, are a lot of lions and tigers <laughs> and bears out there. Ain't but one Razorback! If I heard that for stuff. the first time, I would like it. After like two or three, that would wear thin so quickly. Yeah, I mean, season opener game one, that's fine. Yeah. You hear that out there? They were called the Hawks. You hear it? You want me in your foxhole. That's right. Somebody kicks you I after a play, you hop up, foxhole. you you clap at him, and you tell him, I see you in 25 seconds. <laughs> that was great. Were you in the room when one of his daughters asked uh, a uniform question after the Cotton Bowl when she referred to the rest of the room as negative Nancys? No, I was not. I've never heard this story. That's a good oh, one. you can find it on the internet. It was after the uh, Oklahoma State Cotton Bowl. I guess that would be 2009. They won that game. Did win the game. Ole Miss won that game. Who was negative? Uh, I, uh, they won the ten games that year. The, the people in the room, I, I guess. Uh, his daughter gets the mic at the press conference after the game and addresses the negative Nancys in the room and then asks how they came to their uniform choice for the game. It's, it's on the internet. Well, they, they, told us, they, they told us we were either the home team or the visiting team. And if we were the home team, we, we had two there. options. We had red jerseys and we had blue jerseys. And if we were the visiting team, we really only had one option. We had white jerseys. Were they the home or the visiting team that day? Uh, I think they wore red I that day. I do not day. recall. There you go. One of there the you. many matchups with Oklahoma State. There have been a few of those. That was the, uh, that was the one at, at, at New Jerry World? Yep. That was, the, that was the first Cotton Bowl at the new stadium. So Ole Miss played the last Cotton Bowl at the Old Stadium. They wore blue jerseys that day. Uh, Blue jerseys. Mm. Okay. Didn't want to wear red that day. Bunch of negative Nancys up there on the Ole Miss beat. That's what I. So I was at the I was at the '03 Cotton Bowl, and then the '08 Cotton Bowl. I guess it was. I was not there in '09. I was. uh, Huh? Where were you? Where were you? New Orleans, Riverfront, uh, what's, what's that basketball terrible place where UNO plays? I think it is the Riverfront. That's Riverfront Arena. Riverfront Arena, Arena yeah. Something like, yeah. Maybe the worst building in America. There were like seven people there. While Ole Miss was playing in the Cotton Bowl, I was doing like UNO North Texas or something on, on CSS. Oof. Hey, but I was thankful for the opportunity. We'll be back. There you go. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Clock Hour Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us alongside Michael Borkey and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can stop by and check it out in person or learn more about them online at Pearl River Resort. 
com. Love to hear from you on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. Learn more online at cspire.com slash business. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. Find them online at mtradepark.com. More baseball happening this weekend. June 9th, that's the tournament this weekend. U-Triple-S-A, the GOAT Global. At last check, 72 teams entered. You've got more tournaments coming up throughout the month of June, including a huge softball event in just a couple of weeks that we will tell you more about because we will be there in person on that Thursday is it thir- Friday? It's Friday. Is that right? Hey, Dan. You will I, I be know, there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I know you're going to be out of town that day. I think Borky. You know, it was like right. Friday the. Yeah. Whatever. We'll give you the date 16th. sooner. If uh, if you are involved in scheduling for your son or daughter's team, whether it's for baseball, softball, or soccer, or you're just interested to learn more about M Trade Park, visit them online at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play M Trade. Let's do a little college football fix, shall we? College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. But don't stop there. Test drive an F-150 today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So... We uh, we want to do this schedule thing. You, you don't want to talk about video games, Richard. We can I mean, skip it. We we can. We can we can skip it. Well, but, but let's. Uh, we, we can do both. We we we've got time for both. So we have a whole hour. Yes, I'm I'm aware. And then another hour coming up tonight after Sports Talk Mississippi for Thunder and Lightning on the radio in a Hawaiian shirt, no less. Oh, you know, we'll actually talk about football. Hosted by Brian Haydad. Special guest? Paul Jones, 24-7 Sports. Time to talk recruiting. There you go. All the spin you want, you will get it immediately after Sports Talk Mississippi. On uh, on th- I'm kidding with you. No, you guys will have a good time. So Thunder and Lightning coming up after us. So the uh, the return of the college football video game, 2024, we think, we think, except for the fact that the Players Association. Which isn't really a thing, but they're trying to be a thing, I think. You've got a group that is trying to unionize the college football players and collectively bargain with EA Sports for the amount of money that they think that the players should be getting for being in the video game. Justin Falsinelli helped build one of the top college football programs of the 2010s. He was Clemson's starting center for two years, and he left with two national titles. But securing the program's success had him wanting a piece of the revenue he generated while Davo Sweeney signed a 10-year contract worth $115 million. 
When NIL policy rolled in in 2021, it was viewed, viewed as a victory, and for the first time in college sports history, athletes were turning a profit. I don't know about turning a profit, but were being compensated. EA Sports announced last month that players would be paid for their NIL to be used in the college football video game, slated to return next year. EA has contracted one-team partners to facilitate college athletes' likeness. A source told On3 that the cash pool for the athletes was in the neighborhood of $5 million, which would equate to about $500 per player. Sportico, which is a business of college sports website, has reported that there are no royalties. So this is not a recurring thing. It's a one-time payment. For Falsinelli... He is vice president of the College Football Players Association. He says that's not enough. The organization tried to establish its first chapter at Penn State last summer, tried being the operative word, and the College Football Players Association is urging athletes to boycott the game with the hope that EA Sports will reconsider its payout to athletes. Let me give you his quote, and then we'll see what you think about this. All current players should boycott this deal. It is an opt-in deal, and they should not opt into it. It is just a ridiculously low amount of money. Given the context and the hype that surrounds this game, when we first heard the number, we're like, all right, that sounds low. Let's go figure out if it's low. I started talking to guys, talked to some of my friends, some of the guys who are still playing in the NFL. So what are NFL players getting for Madden? And the numbers we were given were for 2019. It was disclosed that they got about $17,000. And then a current NFL player said he got a check for $28,000 this year for Madden. And they are offering college players $500 for the video game. What say you, boys? I mean, it's what? 45 players on an NFL roster times 32 teams versus 85 players on a roster times 125 teams? I mean... Yeah, let's do a little math there, boys. You know, we're supposed to be student athletes. So let's do some math here and understand why you can't get seventeen thousand per. At the end of the day, if you choose not to opt in, they're just going to create a generic player, and you won't be on the game. And you know, I saw a great tweet today, by the way, that just said, "I just want to play the dynasty mode anyway. All of those guys will be gone in three years." Right. Which in you know, which in video game time is what a month. Two months? Less for most play. people. Yeah. I mean, when, when that game comes out, I'm going to be playing it, you know, three, four hours a day. So, yeah, I'll be through the first couple of seasons in the first couple of weeks. Yeah. This is a dramatic, this will be a, a huge backfire. Oh, hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You have four hours a day where you could allot to video games for Easily. two solid weeks? Yeah, no problem. Okay. Yeah. I just, Jealous? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a little. I mean, my uh, kids take care of themselves at this point. I, I don't have to do a whole lot. I just got to, you know, be there if they have a question. So this is during the day. This isn't like stay up late after they go to bed. You stay up until you know. No, from, I, my PS Five is in, in in our bedroom, so no, I can't. I can't do that. No. Okay. All right. This will backfire for a lot of reasons. One, as Haydad mentioned, there there's roughly eleven thousand FBS football players, roughly. There's 1,500 NFL players on active rosters during the season. And those 1,500 players are significantly more valuable than the 11,000 
the NFL is an $11 billion a year business with a tenth of the players. So that right there is a problem in and of itself. Because you are not valuable like any NFL player is. So, good luck. And number two, as Haydad pointed out, the NFL Players Association is who negotiates with Madden because they only represent 1,500 players. It's a little bit easier. And also they're salaried employees and stuff, and and they're able to do that. Um, So that's how they have a little bit of, of leverage. The college football video game sold brilliantly without using a single player's name. If, let's say, Caleb Williams decides, ah, 500's not enough, even though the exposure would be unbelievable, I'm out. You know how many sales that would impact on that game? Zero. And here's why. Because you can create players in the freaking game. Give it a day, and the rosters of the teams would be uploaded online for you to download anyway. You can play as the players anyway. So if Caleb Williams, and I'm just using that as an example, he has I don't think he's commented publicly on this. If he has, forgive me. But if he decided to opt out in a day, you could play as Caleb Williams anyway. In a day. Not to mention that Caleb always won't be on this game. It's next year. Right. It's 2024. He won't be on the game. But so so Drake May might. Yeah. It's it, it's such a great opportunity for exposure. It's impossible to assign individual value on eleven thousand players. The blanket dollar amount makes sense. The exposure is great. Mike Wright at Mississippi State said, "I'll, I'll do it for twenty. Give me twenty bucks. I just want to play as myself." <laughs> He's got the right perspective. No. The the people that hold out of this will get nothing, and nobody will notice. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that they couldn't pay a little more than $500 a player. But it's $500 that the players don't have in their pocket right now for something that most of them are kind of interested in and think it would be cool to be a part of. And they have to do no work. They do nothing. And they have to do nothing for it. All right. We'll be back. That's your college football fix. Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon, starting at 3 on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Michael Bratton hosts That SEC Podcast, and he has put together a chart. I guess this is for entertainment purposes only. I, I, don't, I don't know Michael Bratton. I'm not even sure if I've met him. Uh, and so I don't necessarily put the same level of credence in Michael Bratton's predicted, uh, predicted 2024 SEC opponents as I do like when Ross Dellinger kind of rolled out the model that they were looking at if they were going to a nine-game schedule. But this could be fun. Certainly fun to talk about for a bit. So he said they predicted the 2024 SEC schedule leading up to the official announcement on June 14th. One week from today, we will get the official announcement of opponents – 
for 2024 for SEC football teams. And don't we know a little bit about their uh, rationale? I think as Ross reported they're that... to protect some rivalries. Yeah. They're, they're going to try to protect some rivalries and do the same thing they did in, during COVID where they're, they want to create balance as best they can. Can't be perfect, yeah. but as best they can. And despite the freak out last week from some people that were intentionally misleading their audiences, they're doing it this way because it's a one-off. Yeah. They're, not, they're not creating a model. They're creating a schedule for a year. Right. So, eight games, eight conference games, and they broke it into Tier 1 and Tier 2. And you can be upset if you want to about which tier you fall into, but honestly, I mean, you'd rather be in Tier 2. You'd rather have an easier schedule than a harder schedule. But they kind of take traditional powers, teams that have traditionally been more successful, and they make them Tier 1 teams. And so Tier 1 teams play five Tier 1 opponents and three Tier 2 opponents. And it's the inverse for the Tier 2 teams. They play, in theory, five easier games, three more difficult games. So let's just start with Ole Miss and Mississippi State, then we'll look at some of the others. Ole Miss. The three Tier 1 opponents on the schedule. This is predicted for 2024. LSU, Alabama, Texas A&M. I feel like it's really safe to expect LSU on the schedule next week. Like, yes. incredibly safe. I agree. Yes. I agree with that. If they're talking about trying to keep rivalries, they will try to keep Ole Miss LSU. Yes. Tier 2 opponents for Ole Miss. Mississippi State, obviously. Arkansas. I think it's safe to predict that one will be on the schedule, too. Yes, I, I think you I can agree. go ahead and plan, if you're Ole Miss, on having LSU and Mississippi State on the schedule. And Arkansas, I think. I think so. I mean, that's one that could move around. Mississippi State, Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt. You sign up for that if you're an Ole Miss fan? 100%. Hey, you hate that you have Alabama, that you you would like to get away from them in year one. But by and large, yes, that's a very good schedule for Ole Miss. Yeah, you call up Sankey right now and say, hey, Greg, th- we we want that one, please. We would take that. You Ole Miss would take that, yes. Well, I'd love to trade Texas for Alabama. Yeah. I'm sure you would, but I'm just saying in this situation. Or, or Oklahoma. Okay. Here, here's a here's outside of Georgia, you'd like to trade anyone for Alabama. Well, no, I don't even mean it from that standpoint. I'm not talking about like from a win loss standpoint. It's like eh, I've been there, done that. Oh, yeah. Alabama, Texas is fun. Um, Mississippi State, LSU, Auburn, Oklahoma in the tier one category, tier two category, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Missouri. South Carolina, Vanderbilt. So the only differences in the Ole Miss schedule projected and the Mississippi State schedule projected, they both play LSU. State gets Auburn instead of Alabama. They get OU instead of A&M. And then State gets South Carolina instead of Kentucky. 
So, two things. One, is the car running? Get in the car and take it. Take that schedule while you can. Okay. But secondly, if we're going to talk about protecting, I mean, I don't consider it a rivalry, but they play each other every year. I could see this switching and State getting Kentucky and Ole Miss getting South Carolina. Okay. Possibly. Just because also they like, might want to keep State Kentucky. They've played each other every year for the last three decades. Yeah. And, and we get the Hugh Freeze versus Mississippi State rivalry. Uh, so that will be fun. I would like to see State keep AM, though. I want to see State keep AM because it, I like watching them beat Texas AM. It cracks me up. <laughs> same colors. Yeah. Kind of the same uniforms. I know they're slightly different, but it's Adidas, it's maroon and white, and one's got billions of dollars and the other one does not, and the one that doesn't keeps beating the one that does. I love that game. So looking at this, just from a state perspective, right? If you you played the, okay, they played them here this year, so where are they playing them next year? You'd be at LSU, you'd have Auburn at home, you'd be at Ole Miss, you'd have Arkansas at home, and you'd have South Carolina at home. So Oklahoma, Missouri, Vanderbilt, you got to figure out where you're going. Norman. Are you getting? Are you getting? Are you probably going to Norman? And then, how many road games was that? One, two, three. So then you're either going to Missouri or Vanderbilt. I mean, you're. If you could tell me that states road games are L, I mean, LSU, it just is what it is, right? Oklahoma, that's going to be tough. Ole Miss, the Egg Bowl is always tough. But if I can get Missouri or Vanderbilt, I'm going to feel pretty good because the home games are very winnable for State in that. Hmm. What do you have for Ole Miss? Ole Miss is LSU's at home, right? It is at home this year. So it would be so at, in Baton at Rouge. At LSU. Alabama at home. At Alabama. No, Alabama. No, Alabama okay. would, yeah, Alabama would be at home. In College okay. Station. At College Station. In College Station. State, State at home. Would... Arkansas um, and Vanderbilt on the road. Correct. So you don't you don't know where you're going with Kentucky or Missouri. It's only two games for Ole Miss that you wouldn't. Well, those would both, just those would both be at home, wouldn't they? Is that what we've determined there? Since those first the first three are all on the road, and then Vanderbilt. No. Yeah, you're right. No, no, those no, the, no, you're no. home. No, no, no. LSU no. and A&M would be road games. Alabama would be a home okay. game. State would be a home game. Uh-huh. Arkansas is a road game. And as is Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is a road game. So, yes, Kentucky, Missouri are home games in this scenario for Ole Miss. The last time Missouri played at Ole Miss, I guess the only time in the SEC era, right? Uh, it was yeah. approximately 12 degrees. Four. I was going to say four degrees. But, yeah, 12, something like that. It was 12, 12, 12 before the wind time... chill was factored in. It was really cool. The one time State played at Missouri, it was a hurricane over the state of Missouri, basically. Uh, I think Dak nearly drowned that night. How about Texas A&M's schedule? This is mean. <laughs> Please let this happen. Please let this Texas happen. Texas A&M's schedule is Texas, Alabama, OU, LSU, Georgia, Ole Miss, South Carolina, Arkansas. Have you seen this this debate? Get the by tricycle the way? out. The back and forth between Ross Bjork and um, what Chris Del Conte in that his name, the AD at Texas. Oh, about yes. the, the first yes. game. It's Austin, right? 
It, it has to be. The last one was in be. College Station. It should be The Austin. next one needs to be in yeah. Austin. What what leg does Ross Bjork have to stand on when he says, no, it's going to be in College Station? He thinks For, the SEC owes him because they're bringing Texas into the league. I hope Sankey laughs come out. And he has been beating that drum for two years now. But when it happens, first game is going to be in College Station. And Chris Del Conte's like, I haven't been told that. That is a brutal, brutal sky. I mean, you know, it's tough for everybody. But A&M getting Georgia and Alabama. I mean, I get Auburn getting Georgia and Alabama. And LSU, yeah. Oh, in Texas, hey. who's going to be, you know, just chomping at the bit to get hold of them. Should be a really good Texas team. Um, Auburn schedule, Bama, Georgia, Florida, LSU, Texas, Kentucky, Missouri, Mississippi State. Yeah, well, enjoy Tier 1, Auburn. Yeah. Um, Georgia's schedule, Florida, Auburn, Alabama, A&M, OU, Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina. It's tough. Be some great games, though. Yeah, There's an eight-game schedule we're getting these games. Man. Yeah. Oklahoma gets Texas, Alabama, A&M, Georgia, Florida. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a tough break for Florida being a uh, Tier 1 team. Or on the they only get four tier ones. Tier one. I know, I know. Lucky They're kind of like tier one and a half right now. So those are just projected, but that's fun. We'll be back. It's fun. Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the You guys remember Bobby Robbins, president at the University of Arizona? You mean the uh, future, former future chancellor of Ole Miss? Yeah, him. I Um, don't, so just continue. Well, he's the president at the University of Arizona, and uh, he had some comments for Pete Thamel. I'm not sure if this was in a a group setting or just one-on-one. As it pertains to the media deal for the Pac-12, said that the Pac-12 presidents haven't seen numbers yet on the upcoming TV deal, and he says, quote, until we see a working document that gives us numbers, that's what we don't have. Until we have it, no one can make an informed decision. He is referencing the future conference in which his university resides. He added, I've seen forecasts and projections. I do think there's good data on what the Pac-12 is valued at. I've seen those numbers. If we get close to those numbers, I think we'll be fine. He adds, we're not going to get a Big Ten deal or an SEC deal if we win a bronze medal, I think we'll all declare victory and move on. Okay. And then there were some other things. 
On the ties between Arizona and Arizona State in a realignment scenario, we don't have to do the same thing, but President Crow and I are very, very tight. I think it'd be unlikely that we'd be split up. Right now, with 10 schools, we control a very nice 20% of solidarity. But he adds that he does not have the autonomy to move without Arizona State. On a timeline for the Pac-12 deal, we'll be there when we get there. I really think it's going to be soon. I'm not anxious about this. I know it's important. I have full confidence we're going to get where we need to be. And said he is cautiously optimistic. Which is it? Is it full confidence or is it cautiously optimistic? Because I don't think those are exactly the same thing. It's they're not. They're not. It's it's exclusively how much money they're going to get, and if it's less, they're gone. If it's enough, then they're going to stay. Right? I mean, isn't how how this reads? Look, you, you want the money quote? Here it is. My prediction is that we're all going to stay together as a Pac-12. There's ten of us right now. I'm hopeful that the deal is going to be good enough to keep us together. I think that's the best thing for our students and alumni. That's what we're hoping for. Hope sometimes can be a dangerous thing. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Red. Yeah. Hayden and I brought this up briefly last week when you were off, but there was reporting, and nobody has denied it, and it's been reported at multiple angles, that Colorado is down the road with the Big 12. Right. And I just kind of opined out loud, well, they're not coming by themselves. Big 12's not just bringing in one who's coming with them. And I've not seen anybody answer that question. Because as you said, Arizona and Arizona State are going to be tied together. If one goes, they both go. Sounds like it. So who's the other? Who's going Utah. with Colorado? Utah. Makes the most sense. Makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, I would That's be. That's a really good league. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. What a recovery that would be. Yeah. I mean, if you finished with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, Kansas State, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. And then BYU, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati, plus TCU and Baylor. It's not bad. It's a pretty good league. Just definitely a, a solid third, I yeah. think. I think in this, it would be better than the ACC, right? I know they've got Clemson, I know they've got Florida State, but the depth in the Big 12, I think, would be more attractive than the ACC. Maybe I'm wrong. But they yeah, would at least know. be comparable. They would. They would. I mean, it might be a 3A, 3B, but... Hey. And and they would surpass the ACC in terms of revenue. And maybe that would create stability. You know, I love this kind of stuff in the offseason when there's no football going on. It's it's hard to, every day, like look at a schedule in a recruiting class and get it... And at some point... It gets monotonous without other stuff. And so this extra stuff I find interesting. It's it's kind of like the business side of 
college football and the other things that are going on to keep the conversation fresh all offseason. The NFL does it. It's built in with OTAs and all that. Like Michael Thomas was at OTAs last week. Well, as a Saints fan, that's a football story because they're practicing right now. And so that, that helps. The draft, all those things. College football doesn't have that. So this enhances it. I don't think a chaotic offseason of conference realignment would be good right now, though. I think it would be poorly timed. There's too much other stuff going on where everybody is uncertain, you know? I mean, Nick Saban and Zach Arnett and Keith Carter and Walker Jones and all those guys are up at Capitol Hill today lobbying to get an NIL bill done. And as a fan, it's just like, it's exhausting reading about this. And who knows what Congress is going to come up with. Guess what, guys? Tommy Tuberville is here to save us. Ugh. He didn't even know the three branches of government, and he's going to write a bill that saves college football? He, he didn't. That's not. I'm not making that up or making no, fun. No, I, 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 I know you're not. I'm, he he not. didn't know as, a, as an elected official, but... So that's there, and then the portal stuff, and it's just, it's all we, we, this... All three of us can, can name the three branches of government, right? We don't need to do civics here? We're no. good? Okay. I think we're good. We're good. But there, there's all this just stuff going on, and fans are kind of annoyed by all the stuff going on. We hear from them all the time. And, and, and you want to know one other piece of stuff from another league that seemed to have it all together and have it all buttoned up, and yet it's not quite as rosy as we thought. You've got this from the Big Ten. So you got the announcement of Ohio State, Michigan State under the lights at the horseshoe this coming season. And by the way, how good is that going to be? November the 11th in Columbus, Ohio, Michigan State, Ohio State on NBC. That's good. But the Big Ten is so hung up on this no-night games after the first weekend of November. So Ohio State has agreed to do it this year, but Gene Smith has said that will not be a regular thing. He said, we will not do this in the future at home. We might do it away if a colleague calls me from another school and said, hey, would you be willing to play a night game at our place? We have to make that call. Both athletic directors have to agree on that. And so usually I would talk to Ryan Day and see if we're interested in doing that, and we'll say yes or no. But it depends on who it is, where it is, or what time our team might get back. That always plays a role into their plan. If there's a second Saturday in November and we're somewhere and our team doesn't get back until 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, that might be a problem. (sighs) See what I mean? It's just everything's a mess, and you know what this is a product of, right? No leadership with authority. I mean, that's that's how things can go off all into these weeds is because nobody's actually in control. And so when you've got all this mess going on in contracts and... Can can I read you one more Dean Smith quote? Sure. And, like, we can just all collectively roll our eyes. But, but, But maybe this is real. He says... I always think about that couple in Canton, Ohio, who's 70-something years old, season ticket holders. And we really create a problem for them already, how we announce our game times. But for them to have to make a decision to come to a night game, perish the thought, the Saturday before Thanksgiving. I just would prefer to take that burden off of them. And normally they can come to a noon game or a 3.30 kick and 
get back home as opposed to trying to get a hotel room. So that's been our rationale, just one of them, our rationale for not doing that. What? Unserious league. I mean, it's, it's not real. You, you, you can't. You, you just can't. I mean, I appreciate his concern for a couple that might not get home because of a late kickoff. You do know that college football is played at night, Gene, right? Even, even in the month of November. And you do know that there are people who are 70 years old who still go to those games. There are people who are 90 years old who still go to those games. Is it a little cold? Sure. Is it a little late? Yeah. But you know what? They like football, so they go. Ay, 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 ay. You would never. Never is a big word. Don't think you'd hear that around here. No. I mean, did you even really hear Ole Miss fans complaining because they played at Arkansas at night the week before the Egg Bowl last year? No. Because that's a time slot where the SEC plays football. Period. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Sports Talk Mississippi on this Wednesday afternoon. Happy to have our friends at Belkford and Oxford Toyota as part of Sports Talk Mississippi. If you're looking for a new Ford F-150, Oxford uh, Belkford is the place to go. Belkford and Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Great selection on the lot. If you've been looking at trucks, you you know that for the last couple of years they've been hard to find, hard to come by. Well, they finally got some inventory in in Oxford. They've had a steady flow of trucks, but a good selection available right now, good financing options as well. If you're not looking for a new truck, they've got used vehicles on the lot. Really good selection of used uh, trucks, some used SUVs as well. And, of course, the Toyota dealership is right up the hill. And don't forget about service after the sale you buy a truck from Oxford, uh, Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, uh, you can have all the service done right there. They will be easy to work with, whether it's the routine maintenance or something a little more extensive. They can help you out at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. You can find them online at belkford.net or visit them in person and tell them we sent you. That's Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Um. We are pretty close. Well, we're there in terms of transfer portal news for baseball. Seasons are coming to an end. You've only got 16 teams still playing. We got news, was it yesterday or two days ago, hey, Dad, that is it Slate offered moving on, transferring out? Is yep. that right? Entered himself into mm-hmm. the. Was that a surprise? No, not to anybody. Okay. okay. Um, and then Ole Miss got a. An addition from the transfer portal yesterday. Yeah, Haydad will be familiar with the school. Uh, a former Mercer Bear, 
that worked out. I know, broke up the MSU Mercer pipeline. What happened there? This is uh, Trayson Hughes, who had a really good 2023 season. He started all 58 games, led the SOCON in on-base percentage, led the league in runs scored. He had 86 hits, hit 387 with 11 home runs and 52 runs batted in. He's an outfielder, 6'3", 185 pounds. That's, um, that's a good piece. You, you, you always hope that it trans, translates, right? Yeah. That, that the move up is a good move up. But it has for Mississippi State. I mean, you look at the last two they've gotten from Mercer. That's R.J. Yeager and Colton Ledbetter. Both those guys have been outstanding hitters for Mississippi State. What yeah. is it about Mercer? Uh, I mean... It's the so Led, No, Colt I mean, Ledbetter was at Samford. No, he? he went from Samford. Who who did they get? Oh, they got a guy from Mercer, but he went pro. That's right. Never mind. Okay. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was from Mercer. Socon. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, because you had, you know, Ledbetter, you had Sonny Deshera the year before that. I mean, it's good baseball players. Mm-hmm. And they needed this one badly. I mean, it, we, we've talked often about what... Uh, what they need to do in the portal and how vital it is, but they needed to get guys like this, right? Uh, I mean, uh, a true junior, I guess, is what he will be. As a freshman, hit like 320, uh, does not strike out. And depending on where in the outfield he's going to play, Richard, you might know better than me, there's a chance that they keep their center fielder, Ole Miss, uh, I guess. I mean, Groff could Groff? return. Yeah. Uh, people are talking about that. So, I mean, he could replace McCanson right, which you – would hope and imagine would be an upgrade at the plate, or or does he replace Alderman and left? Now the the type of hitter they are is a little bit different, but um, that would be a mm-hmm. great first he had, start. He had 14 home runs and 12 doubles as a freshman. He had nine home runs and 14 doubles as a sophomore. Yeah, and he's not. You you watch his highlights. He's skinny, and he hits like that. And so that there's clearly some serious talent there, but. There's a lot more work to be done, but that is a very important start. Yeah. Any names that you've heard, hey, Dad, yet as far as Mississippi State baseball for guys coming in? No. No. I mean, I you know, obviously with State, the big issue is going to be pitching, and so until the pitching coach is in place, and you feel like that's going to be an area they're going to have to wait on. So When is that going to but happen? But no, I haven't heard any names. I mean, as teams are getting eliminated, you would expect it to be happening pretty soon. So I would expect maybe by the end of next week you hear some some more concrete news. Okay. There you go. Um, it really is crazy when you think of and, and, you know, this is something that has gone differently the last couple of years, right? I, I think when it's all said and done, Ole Miss's coaching staff would admit that you wouldn't trade a national championship for anything in the world. State's coaching staff would admit the exact same thing. But when you play for three more weeks, this week and two more after this, and you got a whole bunch of teams that are trying to build their rosters for next year and are actively working the transfer portal and the recruit, it puts you behind big time. Big time. So um, it's to try to make the... Uh, Make the best of the situation that you can, which is try and build a roster for uh, for next year. Thanks for being with us. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Stay tuned. Thunder and Lightning is coming up next. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.